0: Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Josh, and I'm the pastor here at OCC, and I I want to welcome you. and We're we're launching this new message series called "The Reason for Me Today," and in this series, as you probably gathered from that, we'll be looking at what is the most important pursuit that you can have. In your lifetime, and that pursuit actually answers this question right here: Why do I exist? There's a question here. There it is. There. A quick, a quick book search reveals a wide variety of answers to this question. Okay, so if you were to Google, you find all sorts of books on the meaning of life and existence. And so here's some of them. Here's some covers. Are you living or just existing? Or this one, The Meaning of Human Existence. Or this one, Your Place in the Universe. Or this author, he's two different books on the same idea, I think, in his mind. The Never-Ending Quest or Levels of Human Existence. Uh, Here's another one, The Purpose Driven Life. I don't know if you've read this before. This was written in 2002. It is a wildly popular book written by Rick Warren. Interestingly enough, for those of you who are CBU students, and you may know this, he was a college student at CBU in the 1970s here in Riverside. He was called to ministry uh, while he was a student at CBU at the age of 19. And while he was in those college years, he actually was beginning to write uh, different ideas and and some of his early uh, even some of his early books uh, were beginning to form while he was a student there. One of my mentors said he got to see sort of early copies of a book called The Dynamic Bible Study Methods. While he was a student there, a college student, he was writing that. Uh, it's a book that we've actually uh, you know, pointed people to when they're learning how to study the Bible. But this book, it, it answers the purpose question or the existence question. It was a bestseller for like, for a long time, over a few, I think almost two years. But the first line in the book is this. It's, it's the line, it's not about you. It's not about you. Uh, Here's a picture of of the first page of the book and uh, the header there. It all starts with God. It's not about you. The first line there, if you look past the – there's a a verse and then a quote. And the the first line is it's it's not about you. This line right here really struck a chord with people because there's something inside of all of us that tells us that that's right. It's right. It's not just about me. There's something more than just me. And on page one here you see it's sort of – in the red uh, markers there, there's this quote from a British philosopher uh, and an atheist, Bertrand Russell. And he's quoted here in saying this, Unless you assume a God, you can flip to the next slide there, the question of life's purpose is, is meaningless, unless you assume a God. Now, honestly, this is a pretty strange statement to see coming from an, from an atheist. Pretty strange. But you know what? It's, it's because all sorts of people through the centuries have actually wrestled with the whole question of meaning. What are we here for? When was the last time you wrestled with this question of, of existence? Maybe recently, or maybe at some point, what prompted you to, to ask this question, what am I here for? Or, or even who prompted you? Who asked you the question? Who prompted you to begin to, to wrestle with your purpose and your meaning? And in preparation of this, I've been asking people a few, uh, a few people this question, like, you know, what, what do you think you're here for? And, and have, you, have you wrestled with your existence? And, and someone close to me said that their group leader here at church uh, asked a really square, a scary question. The question was, where will, will your life be in about 10 years? And it was a question that I think for this person sort of forced them to wrestle through this issue of purpose and meaning. And I wish it were one of those natural uh, reflexes for us to wrestle with these sorts of issues of existence, but but in reality, not everyone does. Not everyone is really thinking about this. We get busy in life, and and just we get running and running and running, and we don't often stop and ask, "Why am I doing all this? What am I here for?" Well, in the Bible, we have a, a book in, in near the middle. Uh, a collection of wisdom statements in the book of Proverbs. And so I want to start with this verse in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15. Take a look. It says, A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. As you're taking steps in life, as you're moving forward, you have a certain way of doing life, a prudent man, wise person, thinks about, and they know why they're doing what they're doing. Some of us here in this room, some of us were raised in the church, okay? And so uh, and so, this this right here is is maybe your background. White church, steeple, depending on how you were raised, maybe it wasn't this, maybe it was a different type of church building, but maybe you were raised in the church and, and you didn't have any choice in the matter. You were sort of forced into it. Uh, you don't have to raise your hand if that was you, especially if your parents are sitting next to you. You don't have to raise your hand. But it's easy if you were raised in the church to just sort of adopt beliefs without ever thinking them through. I don't know why I do what I do. I don't know why I go in the way I go or step in the way I step or walk in this way. Uh, But at some point, life or trouble sort of forces out the deeper thinking in our lives, especially if we were raised in the church. At some point, people hit this fork and they've got to figure out, why am I doing this? Now, some of us were instead raised not in the church, but maybe you're raised by families who, who ask really good questions. And then in the course of life, as you're kind of walking through life, mom or dad or someone who, who helped raise you or took care of you, they, they try to draw out the existence issue or the meaning questions. And we may not actually ask the purpose question every day, but there are times when most of us, uh, this question of, of existence can really haunt uh, us for others. Maybe some of you here, it, was, it wasn't this, it was more something like this. It was a professor, and professor, whether in high school or college, someone started poking and poking and poking at your beliefs, trying to get you to drill down a little deeper and ask yourself the tough questions of life and of meaning. Uh, a lot of us were raised by modern philosophers. Here's, here's some of the people that spoke into our lives. Modern philosophers really are our musicians and screenplay writers, you know, directors, producers. Uh, I don't know if you realize that's that's modern day philosopher, your philosophy right there. And they're pitching beliefs, they're pitching purpose and meaning. Every time you are taking in media, you're 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 hearing worldview, you're hearing uh, messages, and you got to actually try to uncover what's the meaning of this, what's the meaning of the song. They're actually telling you their 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 big ideas through their music or through their movies. And and in reality it speaks to us. Because the messages that they're touching on, they, they they they're they're sort of scratching below the surface of our life and we have a very deep need to know why we've been put here on this earth. We wanna know what what are we here for? I mean, we all naturally sort of gravitate towards just living for something. We set out on a course in life, but we don't often stop and ask why, why am I here? And so God in his word, he gives us some very clear answers through the Bible to, pre- that I want to really present throughout this series of messages. If you're here and you're not yet following Christ, you're here and you're exploring Christianity This series should really help you discover what the Bible says about this most important question of existence and meaning. If you're already a Christ follower, you've committed your life to Christ at some point, it should be a helpful reminder and really clarify God's core purposes for your life that really bring about abundant meaning. So there's a theme. If you want to take out this listening guide, this is in your program. You can follow along. There's a theme in the Bible that shows us how we exist to seek God. We exist to seek God. To seek after God. We didn't always need to seek God. In fact, in the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve walked with God, they talked to God. This was just part of their existence, is they, they, they were in relationship and in fellowship and communion with God. And But there in the garden, early on, Adam and Eve chose to rebel, they violated God's boundaries that God had set. And from then on, mankind, because of our sin, has been separated from God. And so now on, from now on, we, we really have to search for God to find him. But not everyone on earth is really searching. Not everyone is seeking. In fact, most people don't seek after God. Psalm 53, verses 2 and 3, it states this. God looks down from, from heaven on the sons of men, that's like on mankind, to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God, he's looking. This is, uh, the psalmist is talking about this. This is still true. Who's seeking God? God's looking for those who will seek him. Everyone has turned away. They have together become corrupt. There is no, there is no one who does good, not even one. Now, this verse right here highlights our native condition since Adam and Eve up to the present. From then to us. We just don't seek God natively because of our sin. Now, King David, he was, uh, he was described as, he was the, the king of Israel, but he was described as a man who was after God's own heart. He sought God, he found God, and then he set out to live his life for God. But just like you and me, David was, he was not a perfect person. He, he had strong Faith, he had a growing faith, but he had holes as well. He had failures in his life. And at the end of David's reign and the end of his life, as the king, he's passing on his kingdom and his leadership to his son Solomon. And in the in the handoff, we see the priorities of, of David's life. This man who's after God's own heart. We see the priorities in the charge that he gives to his son Solomon. Here's what David Here's what David says to his son. He says, "And you, my son Solomon, Solomon's—you know—the—the the, uh, the prince. Even though this is, they wouldn't have called him that in those days, because this is David was um, only the second king, and so Solomon would have been the third king. But he was—we would know him as the prince. But my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father, and serve him with wholehearted." devotion i want to stop there for just a moment because wholehearted devotion david says serve god with that wholehearted devotion the whole heart the hebrew word whole in the in the hebrew here when you read it literally it just it says whole heart whole heart okay and two different words the word for whole is the word in hebrew shalem shalem what does that sound like you maybe heard some it sounds like what Shalom. It's very similar to this idea of shalom. What does shalom mean? Peace. Shalom means peace, but it's a certain kind of peace where we would say it's 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 well. It's it's this sense of com- I'm complete. And so this word shalem actually means entirety or complete, with a whole heart, with a complete heart, with with everything I seek God. David's saying, look Solomon. Serve God with everything, with the comp- the completeness of your heart. The reason he's bringing this up is because our hearts, the human heart, is often divided. It's often divided. You can put all sorts of things in your heart. There's all sorts of uh, pursuits, possessions, people that we... That we want to stuff into the heart and sort of divide up our whole heart, which really blocks our ability to have this type of wholehearted, complete devotion. John Calvin, he was a, he was a church leader. God used him to help reform the church um, about 500 years ago. And he, he said of the human heart that the human heart is an idol factory. It's an idol factory. We got room in the heart for all sorts of things that we can go after and devote ourselves to. And so David, the king, as he's passing on and about to die, he wants to make sure his son Solomon understands uh, what it's going to take to really walk faithfully with God and lead God's people. He says, so give God your heart, wholehearted devotion. Serve God in that way and with a willing mind. There needs to be not just, there needs to be a, an internal willingness. You know, David raised Solomon in a certain way to, to love and fear God. Solomon needed to choose to have this willingness to move forward. Some of you that were raised in the church, you, you, there needs, if your faith is going to really become your own and move forward, it's because there's a willingness there in your heart. There's a wholehearted devotion and a willing mind. So he goes and he says with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart, and he understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Go back to verse, uh, the, the verse before that for one moment. The Lord searches every heart. Wholehearted devotion because God sees right into our heart. He sees if if we're here for some other purpose than for him. If He sees the the different things that find their way into the heart. He, he knows the motive behind He knows that there's a willingness there. And let's face it, we all battle in this way. We all struggle with with this. But Solomon, he says, look, seek him. You can flip back to that next verse. Seek him. He will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will reject you forever. This is a piece of really good news. The first part of it for sure. If we seek God, we will find him. If we seek God, he you get to know God very personally. The statement here is brimming with, with purpose. But it also doesn't overlook the first step of, of seeking God. You have to seek him. And in a chilling dose of reality, David, he makes it clear in those verses, in that charge, that God will honor our choice to seek him or forsake him. He'll honor your choice. The Bible clearly says that God gives us this life. We only get this one life, and he wants us to seek him to find him during our lifetime, and so it's it's clear that that while you're on Earth, you want to you want to pursue him. This life is the only chance you have to really seek and find God. There's nothing in the Bible that really indicates that we would have a second chance to seek him after this life. Well, I'll deal with that in the afterlife. No, this is the time to seek God here and now. And if you seek him, you decide to get to. to to stop going your own way and start going his way, he draws close. He reveals more of himself to you. You continue in this this relationship with him that lasts for eternity. But if you forsake him, the scripture says, if you if you leave him behind, you reject him, you abandon that pursuit of him. Essentially, you choose not to seek him. Then you're separated from him for eternity based on the choices that you make or you've made in this life. This is why this is wrapped up in our purpose. This is why knowing God is the most important pursuit of your life. Now look at an excerpt from a, a sermon that Paul, the Apostle Paul preached in, in Athens. Uh, Paul was a key church pioneer. He was a leader who was helping to start new churches. And when he arrives in Athens, the Greek philosophers there, they love to, to talk philosophy. They love to gather in the, in the marketplace. They love to gather in, in even just... Uh, Open air uh, uh, and especially regions where there was uh, statues of of gods of their gods, and so paul's taking sort of a he's surveying the the area and he sees gods statues for the Greek gods, and then he comes across a god that is or an altar to the unknown god, and he springs off this idea. And he wants to tell them about this God. Because the Greeks, they, they you know believed in multiple gods. They even had this altar. to so the unknown God. It's like, want to make sure we're covering all of our bases here. Paul sees that and, and he wants to tell them about, about the God that they can actually know. And so he, he said this. From one man, he, God, from one man, that's Adam, God made every nation of men. You know, you're living here. You can trace things back all the way back to the first man. So from one man God made every nation of man that they should inhabit the whole earth. And this was goes back to Genesis 1 and 2 and the mandate that God gave we looked at this a few months ago. God made man, he said fill the earth, get dominion on this on this uh, on this earth. And so this is what has happened. God made men that they should inhabit the whole earth and that he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live god determines that god did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each of us now here's the takeaway god put us on this planet he put us here in a specific place it's no accident that you were born in in this part of the world if you were born here or if you weren't born it's no accident that your roots are where where you know where you're coming from where you are now it's no accident where you live god put you to settle even in a specific location on the planet for a purpose and and, and even enjoy some of the distinct features that that we can enjoy right where we live sometimes that's just for a season even i love i love life in, in southern california i love i love the beaches i love the fact that i can go get in the water in our in our in our beaches, it's a little chilly right now, but I can throw a wetsuit on and get in the in the ocean. I mean, I love that that we can enjoy that about living in in Southern California. I love the mountains. If you can see them, they're beautiful. Can't always see them, but they're beautiful. You can if you can hop onto a snowboard. You can you can, you know, risk some things and go for it. Bonsai down a hill. I mean, you can enjoy that. I, lo- I love the fact that I can do these things. I love the city life. I mean, some people don't like that, but I like that about about Southern California, that we're sort of just surrounded by people, and I, I love that about living here, and I love the pace of life, and just, I don't love the traffic, but I love what that sort of represents, that there's just, stuff is happening. People are here. People are doing life. Uh, outside of California, people don't like California for some reason. They don't get California. I, lo- I love this place. You know, I love other places, too. I, I go and... Whenever I get to visit friends in other states, I love that they love living there. I love that that they show me what they enjoy about their about their place, their location, where God has placed them. You know, as much as I love California and Southern California, there's still something lacking in California, Southern California. God's handiwork draws us in, but we still long for more in our existence than just the place itself. It's not enough. There's this deep void we experience in life that has a a god shape to it and, and no amount of money no person no place no home no no circumstance can really fill that void in our heart except for god himself do you remember this this toy i don't know if you go back in your mind to the shape sorter toy um, i had for my kids you know we had this toy and Part of a toddler's development is learning that certain shapes only fit in specific places. And you're like, no, you can do it. You can fit it in there. Yeah, you did it. You got the triangle. Find the, find the, find the plus sign or find the, find the circle. And you know, you're stoked when they, when they get the shape in the right hole. The way that we are as people, we try to fit anything besides God into the voids that only he can fill. We try to fit all sorts of things into that heart of ours. The author of a devotional book, he wrote this about people. We look horizontally, meaning on earth. We look horizontally for what can only be found vertically between us and God. We look, we look for things here on earth, but the things we really want, they come vertically. The things that really satisfy and bring meaning and purpose in our life, it's tied to that vertical relationship. And so we try so hard to fill the voids with so many other things. We try with people. We think this person's gonna bring it together and bring that completeness, that whole heart. I want that wholeness, that that shalom, that peace, the completeness, that to be able to say it as well. And so we go hoping that that someone will fill that hole and that we'll bring it together and we, we and then it doesn't happen. Or, or we try to fill it with a work accomplishment or some goal. We try to, oh, if I could just be the the top salesperson, or if I could get my name on the wall for Employee of the Month, or if I could just run this company or own my own company. We we try to build through accomplishments, and in the same attempt to just fill the void and and think this is going to make me complete and bring it together and bring meaning and purpose. And we, we're disappointed. Or, or the ultimate place to live, or the ultimate set of circumstances. And we just try and try horizontally trying to find something on earth. And we expect what happens is we expect way too much from people. And we're disappointed. We, we expect way too much from the circumstances, the endeavors. And we're trying to get out of them what only God can give. And horizontally we're disappointed, but, but he won't let us down. And so if we refuse to, to seek God in this lifetime, what we find is we remain unsettled. You remain unsettled. I think this is what may explain why people move and wander. And it's like the grass looks greener over there in this other city, this other state, this other circumstance. I just want to get out of, and I hear that, I just want to get out of California. Can't wait till I get out of California. Can't wait till I get out of the Inland Empire. Can't wait till I can get out and you fill in the blank of what you think you need to get out of and what's over there. On the other side, that's going to satisfy you. We all pursue this, looking for purpose and meaning that can't be found without finding the God vertically, the God who made us. So, in short, this is what we'll be looking at in the series. When we find God, we find our purpose. When we find Him, we find our purpose, our meaning. Jesus was constantly being challenged by his critics chief of whom were the political and religious power brokers of his day. Matthew uh, 22 is is an interesting chapter in the Bible. It's it's one of the four biographies, Matthew is, but it's a chapter where it's it can be called the chapter of challenges because Jesus is, is challenged by his critics, and he, he keeps meeting these challenges. These are like tests, trick questions, sort of people wanting to stump Jesus and, Jesus keeps answering these questions with these brilliant answers that astonish the crowd. And people keep leaning in. They want to hear more and more. Well, I want to zero in on the third challenge in this chapter. It's from uh, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious and political conservatives. They were the far-right leaders of Jesus' day. Far-right. They were very legalistic individuals, religious people who followed, followed, tried to follow the law to a T. Uh, so here's the challenge. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the, the Sadducees was in a different religious group. The Pharisees, so was sort of like the, the right and the left wing, okay, is who these people would have been like, okay? Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, this other group steps in, try to challenge Jesus. Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, a lawyer, tested Jesus, tested him with, the, with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? in the law. This is a big book. Now the lawyer wouldn't have said, he wouldn't have said, Jesus, of all the commandments, you know, which is the greatest? He wouldn't have had his own personal Bible like this, okay? But he, he knew the law. He knew the law. There were there were there were scrolls, there were copies, there were people would memorize, and the Pharisees had access to to God's laws and God's commands. Um, I often hear people saying today, the Bible's a big book, I don't know how to understand it. It's just, I've tried that, I, I don't get it. The Pharisees, though, they were they were trying to keep God's laws from the Old Testament, but then in addition to that, they had their other laws, man-made traditions and laws built on top of God's laws. And so a Pharisee was trying to follow 613 different laws try to keep track of that (laughs) what you should do what you shouldn't do how far you can travel in a day how far you know what you can touch what you can't touch all of these different things but then there was traditions upon traditions and they're trying to keep track of it all i mean that would have been hard for the common person the pharisees this was what they did this was their way of life jesus which of which of these is the greatest commandment in the law to this question, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It's wholehearted devotion. This David was telling Solomon, Love God completely from the heart and with a willing mind. So heart, soul, mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Note that. In your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the number one purpose for living. This is the number one purpose of why we exist. To love God with everything. And then it says the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, verse 40, all the law and the prophets... Hang on these two commandments. Jesus answers his critics, and he uncovers for them our great purpose in life. For all people, for Christ's followers today, especially, this is, this is still true. Simply put, our purpose in life is this. Number one is to love God, and number two is to love neighbors as ourselves. Now, this is both clear and brilliant in the way that Jesus answers his critics and he says, all of the law and all of the prophets. So he's saying, the Old Testament, their prophets, the writings, everything hangs on these two commandments. The major sections of, of the Old Testament where God lays out what's expected of his people, the people that he made. In other words, the entire Bible has these two pegs on which we can hang God's commands. In our minds, love God and love people. Love our neighbors as ourselves. we get up in the morning and we, we ask this question, God, how can I show you love today? And how can I show the people around me love today? The pe- my neighbors. My neighbors, we'll look at this in a few weeks. What, this, what does this mean? But if you think about the concentric circles of, of relationships in your life, you have your family, your friends, your, your literal neighbors, your coworkers. You have these people around you. The idea with the neighbors is the person right in front of you who's in your life. Love God and love your neighbors as yourself. If we do that, we live with purpose. We find real meaning. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to try to mine the treasure in these very clear commandments. These are what bring the meaning and the desire we have in life to be fulfilled. It comes through these purposes. And it's amazing, though. What amazes me is I know this that these are the purposes, but I'm amazed at how lower priorities we see the top priority love God, number one priority, love people, number two priority, but then there's all these other priorities that that we have in our life, number three priority <laughs> no. we we have these we have these. Other lower priority purposes that are pulling at us and distracting us and sidetracking us. And just we want to give attention to all sorts of other things. And I'm amazed at how distracted I get from God's purposes. I can identify with with these characters. I don't know if you've seen this movie Up before. The movie Up. Probably 15 years old. I think I probably showed this to my young kids. My firstborn son maybe. But these dogs have this collar around their neck that allow their master made this special collar for them that allows them to talk. So whatever their thoughts are, you can hear through the collar. Hello, my name is Doug, you know. I like you. Can I walk around with you? So you know, and there's these big burly Doberman pincher and he's he's got a messed up collar so his voice is high, he's not manly like you'd think. His voice is like (laughs) it's kind of like And they, they make fun of him because of his voice. Is, is Well, but they're very focused on their master. So they're walking around. My master wants me to do this. My master wants me to do that. They're very focused, except for when squirrels are running. So they're like, hello, my name is Doug. I'm supposed to squirrel. And their head diverts and jerks to the left when the squirrel come running by. That's sort of how I feel in life. I know what God's purposes are. I know he wants me to love him. And I know he wants me to love people, but I've got squirrels that distract my focus constantly. I'm, I'm, God, I want to love you to squirrel. And I'll, I'm off doing something different. And before I know it, the day's over. God, I really, I, you know, I really want to love and, and invest in my family because they're, they, they matter to me. You made them. This is my role. Squirrel. And I'm off working on something that is a lower priority. And for me, my top squirrels, my competitors in my life, one of them is busyness. This weekend was no exception. I mean, it's just busy. It's busy. Reunions. It's it's there's good things. Reunions. I got to see friends who were in town. We had two parties. who we went to it was all good things. I'm I'm busy with people. Well, you know, people is our high priority. What the 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 first great commandment? Love God. Love people. But even that sometimes, even loving people can, can bump out of the way and become the focus of our life where we're, we recognize, I'm not really loving God. I'm not really prioritizing that great commandment, the first and greatest commandment in my life. I've actually allowed other things. And we suffer whenever we mix up those priorities. Or for me, another one would be money worry. I call it money worry. Some people worry about money because they have a list of things they want to buy, and they have that list, and they're constantly shopping and scanning and looking, and it just, as soon as money comes in, it has to go out. I don't feel like that's the hold it has on me. I think the hold it has on me at points is there's just some connection to believing that a little more money will somehow satisfy and give me peace. And I don't know if you felt that way before, but I, the thought is, I, if just a little more, and I won't ever have to worry. But that just that's it's money worry, it doesn't satisfy. But that can be a, a purpose that can be a driving purpose for, for, for some of us where we neglect the higher priority. Or another one would be comfort. Sometimes I'll I'll, I'll wanna put the right purposes ahead the and then my comfort becomes the ultimate. We've all heard of heaven and you know, I think, you know, I want to go to heaven, I want to live I want to live in heaven. But a lot a lot of times we want to build heaven on earth. We want comfort here and now. And the problem is that the world we live in is in a fallen state because of sin. It's in a fallen state. You can listen to last Sunday's message where we talked about trouble and why is trouble here and why, why is there evil in the world. And we, we looked at the sources of, of trouble because that that's the world we're living in. And so when, <clears throat> when I try to focus on my own comfort, I'm often disappointed. And in my heaven on earth reality... I'm on the throne. It becomes more about me. But again, it's not about me like we looked at that book. It's not about us. It's about God. It all starts with God. So even if you're a mature Christ follower, you can still struggle to keep focused on these purposes and keeping them in the right order because our hearts are an idol factory. We keep trying to make room for a little bit more and and hoping it's going to bring it together. If you're a newer Christ follower what I would say is this is where you want to focus. Love God and love people. As we wrap up, just a quick preview of where we're going in this series. Next week, we're going to look at how do I how do I love God? The week after that, we're going to discover the reason that you're here, specifically the the your address. You live at a certain address. God placed you in a specific place in a neighborhood for a reason. We'll look at that. A few weeks after that, we'll look at our family tree and just – I'll flesh out ways to, to buy up this great commandment in light of your family life. And then after that, at work, loving God at work. And then finally, in the congregation, God's family. God intends for you to be involved in in place where you can be growing. And that's a springboard to bring help in your life. Whether you're 25 years old or 55 years old or 75 years old, wherever you are, I just invite you to return and be part of this series. If you're not yet a Christ follower, then I want to encourage you to make seeking God the number one priority in your life because there's a lot at stake in your decision to seek him or not. As we've looked at, your eternal destination is at stake for sure, but also purpose and meaning in all of life as I've described. And if you're already a Christ follower, seek to know God more each day. Seek to love God more each day and live for his purpose that, that's what you were made to do. I want to invite Bryce and our worship team up to the stage, and, and uh, we're going to pray in just a moment. Here's some next steps. You can bring all three of those next steps up onto the screen right now. And just maybe scan those and see if there's anything, or maybe there's something else God spoke to you very specifically, a step that he would want you to take this morning to just take action and to uh, maybe to process something further. Maybe you want to jot down uh, any application area you have so let's pray together father we we we're so uh, thankful for how your word uh, gives us perspective that we need because we all want to know the answers regarding purpose and meaning we want to know why we're here so Father, I thank you for making it clear, Lord, in, in the Bible. Lord, we, we exist to seek you. And and Father, we can we can know you personally. Lord, the, this great purpose of loving God with our whole heart. We 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 want that, Lord. There's other things that we, we struggle to uh to wrestle down. So Lord, I pray you'd help us to identify maybe the barriers in our lives that are blocking our wholehearted devotion. As we look at loving you more and loving the people around us, Lord, would you pinpoint the very areas that you want us to um, respond to you in? Even even now, even as we sing, Lord, I pray that you continue to do your work. And we thank you for bringing us here, God. For many, it was a fight to get here this morning because uh, other things were on our mind. And so we thank you, Lord, for bringing us to this place. We Thank you for your work here in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.